you so much, everybody, for being here today, and uh, man, thank you for the way that you have been uh, praising God this morning. Uh, I appreciate the encouragement that you have, you've given to me, and I hope that uh, you feel that same encouragement today, and uh, it was great to be able to drive in and, and see so many of our um, smiling smiling faces of our young kids uh, that were out there on the steps this morning. They are, they are excited. They're excited to be at church with you. And they're excited that you came to, to be with them. And, and they wanted to come and, and welcome everybody in this morning and, and to let you know that tonight there's something very special that's going to be going on. Uh, we're going to have our annual nativity uh, play. It's going to be taking place in here tonight at 6 p.m. And we want you all to come back and to join and to be a part of that. We're trying to raise children here who tell the story of Jesus. Uh, we want our children to be storytellers and to be able to tell the greatest story of all. And so they are going to be doing that tonight. And I know that you're not going to want to miss the opportunity to share in that time and to be able to hear that story. They're so excited. And I appreciate the um, interview that we had uh, earlier. Millie uh, and uh, Mary were together. And so you're going to enjoy that tonight as you come back at 6 o'clock. There's so many things that are going on here within our church family over this uh, Christmas season. Uh, tomorrow you're going to have the opportunity, uh, if you are free around the um, 9 o'clock time, uh, you can come here to our Family Life Center. You'll have the opportunity to be getting supplies ready for a 6 p.m. Christmas bag packing that we're going to be doing. Uh, some 1,800 bags of, uh, of Christmas goodies are going to be packed up. And so we invite you to come and to be a part of that. Our breakfast with Santa is going to be coming up next weekend. Don't forget, this is the um, last time that you can uh, get tickets for that. So moms and dads, make sure. Uh, grandmas and grandpas, don't forget about that. Next week, we're going to be uh, sharing a, a meal together as a church family. We want you to make your plans to be here and invite others to come and to join us next Sunday. So after our uh, worship and our class time, we're going to be having this meal that we'll share. And so that's going to be great. And, and then as I mentioned earlier, there is also going to be on New or Christmas Eve, there's going to be something that is a first for our congregation as we're going to have a Christmas Eve service that's going to be at 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. And we encourage you, if, if um, it does not interfere with some of your uh, other things that I know that people always have going on on Christmas Eve, different family events, people coming in, but maybe it's time for you to start a new tradition with your family. And you'd like to come and be here with your family at 5 p.m. and it'll be for for an hour from five to six uh, that we will enjoy that time together. So a lot of things that are going on that we want you to be a part of here. You don't have to be a part of our East Brainerd Church family to enjoy any of these that we have talked about. This is for everyone and we want you to keep spreading the word and encouraging people to come as together this month we are reminded about the light, the light of the world. Uh, that's how Jesus is talked about as being the light of the world uh, in, in scripture. Uh, when the Gospel of John is going to let it, lay everything out and prepare the, the readers to what is going to be coming as the story is going to unfold. The, the writer there in the Gospel of John would say the true light that gives light to everyone, he says it's coming into the world. And so that's why that we come together, that's why we, we share, that's why we enjoy the songs we've been singing, the communion that we've enjoyed with one another, because the light of the world has come and that light continues, continues to shine. Maybe you heard about the young guy 
He was really excited at Christmas time because he wanted a new Apple Watch. And so he kept telling his mom and dad, hey, don't forget what I want for Christmas. They're like, we know, we know, you, you want an Apple Watch. And, and he just kept going on and on. And he would leave little notes around the house making sure that mom and dad didn't forget what he wanted. He wanted the Apple Watch. And they said, we, we understand. And finally, he went on and on so much that his parents could take it no longer. Now, I'm sure we have no parents in the room who've ever felt this way. But they looked at their child and said, look, if we hear one more thing, one more thing about this Apple Watch, it's over. It's done. Christmas will be canceled. So he had to think about what to do. So for a couple of weeks, he stayed silent. And he did really well. I mean, it really hurt him to have to hold his tongue because there were opportunities, but he decided to let those opportunities pass because he didn't want to do anything that would ruin Christmas. And then it was Christmas Eve. And as a family, they had gone to their Christmas Eve service and then come back together with, with grandma and grandpa and there were cousins and they gathered around the dinner table. And they asked their son if he would be willing to say the prayer and he said, I would love to say the prayer, but before I pray, he said, I feel led to share some scripture with everyone tonight. Scripture that I have memorized. His parents were very impressed and he said, Listen to the words of Mark 13, verse 37. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. <laughs> so if you're wondering what to get your preacher this Christmas, our text today will come from Mark 13, verse 30. No, 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 we're not going to do that. We're actually going to be in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, if you'd open up your Bibles there. It's in your New Testament, Philippians chapter 2. Here Paul is going to talk about the Christmas light that John spoke of. And normally at Christmas time, a lot of times we look at passages that study about Jesus coming into this dark world. And oftentimes we'll go to Matthew or, or we'll go and look at Luke or perhaps John. But in Philippians chapter 2, we read about the coming of Jesus in a little bit of a different fashion. It's the incarnation. Now the incarnation is just a, a big word that's used to describe what happened when, when God became man. And often when discussing this incarnation, we take a theological or maybe an historical approach. But what I want us to do, I just want us to do for a few minutes this morning, I want us to get very practical. I want us to get very practical because tonight we're going to have, we're going to have members of our EB kids all over this stage, and they are going to be telling a story. And they're going to be telling a story that's real. And they're going to be telling a story that is impactful. And they're going to be telling a story that is life-changing. And yeah, it's going to be cute, and there's going to be a lot of smiles, and there's going to be all kinds of pictures that'll be made, and hugs that are going to be given. But I want you to understand that the coming of Jesus... It's not something that's just meant for the history books. It's not something that is just meant so that little children can get dressed up at a certain time of year. It is something that was meant to be real, and it was something that was meant to be expressed in our lives. The incarnation. The incarnation is a personal challenge to each of us. It's a personal challenge to each of us, and specifically as we look here in Philippians chapter 2, you're going to find out it is a challenge with how we treat one another. 
So here's how it starts out in verse 5. It's a personal challenge to all of us. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Paul says the incarnation, this is a way to illustrate. It's a way to illustrate this attitude that, that we are supposed to have one with another. Look at verses 6 and 7. He says, Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. That's the incarnation. Jesus, who is God himself, makes himself nothing, comes to earth in the form of humanity, and he sets aside his own interest. He puts himself off to the side in order that he might be able to consider the creation first. We see it in Philippians chapter 2, 6, and 7, but it's also there if you look in the Gospel of Luke, one of those traditional tellings. The Gospel of Luke chapter 2, again, verses 6 and 7. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths, and she, well, she placed him in a manger. So Jesus humbly comes to earth, setting aside his own interest for us. And typically, whenever we read through Luke chapter 2, we, well, we just get this nice picture of this beautiful nativity where Mary is, is kneeling down and she's, she's holding that, that child wrapped in the swaddling clothes and, and it's this beautiful thought. But is that really how it all took place? I mean, Mary didn't have an epidural. Jesus was placed in a bed of hay, not under a warming lamp. Joseph, a carpenter, delivered the baby with rough and calloused hands. They didn't even have a private room. You know, in the song Silent Night, we sing about how the cattle are lowing. Now, and I don't know what that really means, but if it's coming from a cow, it can't sound good. I mean, think about it. Who wants to go out and listen to cattle lowing? Who wants to hear that? I don't know. I really don't know what it means, but if it's coming from a cow, it can't be that good of a thing, and there's nothing that beautiful about the idea of this cow that's lowing, and there's the cow in the delivery room with the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of the world. That is the picture that we have painted. He's the Alpha and the Omega, and he comes to earth, and he comes like this. And you say, well, why? Why go through all of that? Well, it's because the journey that Jesus took for the incarnation well, it gives us a picture of the transformation that he wants to have take place in your life. The transformation that he wants to have take place in, in my life as I set aside my own interests for the sake of other people. You see, the call of Christmas is for us to reflect his light in our relationships. Jesus left the glory of heaven for the world. The one who deserved a royal welcome was content with a humble hello. The one who had the world at his feet comes to wash the feet of the world. And now we've been called to reflect that same attitude. And so back in Philippians, there in chapter 2, Paul gives us in, in verses 3 and 4 just for a practical picture of what this looks like. He says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Don't do anything because of what you can get out of it. Because of what you can get in return, he says. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Think of other people as if they are more important than you are. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. 
It's the practical, real-life application of the incarnation that we look at other people as being more important than, than we are, and we set aside our own interest. Now, isn't this how you would describe your holiday gatherings, right? This is how I'm sure everybody just kind of gets along, and they all look out for each other. Or, or maybe your house has been similar to how mine has been in the past, where, you know, you've got kids counting presents underneath the tree, wanting to make sure that there's equal distribution. No one has more than other. The little communists want to make sure everybody's got the same. Can't have more. Is that how it is? Or is there one big present under the tree, and there's a lot of concern about, well, who's going to get that present? And who's it for? Because mom likes me best. Or maybe... Or maybe you've said to your spouse before, you know what? You don't need to get me anything this year. I mean, let's just, uh, let's just get something for the kids. Now, now, you know that that's just a figure of speech, right? I mean, you, you understand that. You understand that if your spouse comes to you, especially guys, if your wife comes and says, hey, let's just buy for the kids this year, and you and I, we're just not going to worry about it. What she really means is, I'm not going to get you anything, but may God deal with you ever so severely if there's not something for me under the tree. I mean, let's just be honest. We're trying to be real here today, right? So let's just be honest on how it works. That's kind of how it goes. This time of year, we all look out for ourselves and we watch out for our own interest. And it's something that we learn in life early on. I mean, it, if you don't look out for yourself, no one else will. And as children, we understand if we don't get in the front seat first, well, our our sister will. Or if we don't get that first piece of cake, then we're just going to end up with some small little slice and just a little bit of icing. And we understand this as children. And if you go into the, the family room and if you weren't able to get the remote control first, you might end up, you know, having to watch Barbie instead of Transformers, which doesn't sound like a big deal. Until on Saturday, you're riding your bike with your friends and you're humming the, the Barbie movie of the week theme song and, and all your buddies are looking at you like something's wrong and you, you might as well just go ahead and have a rainbow bike birthday party and, and just be done with it already. And it's good for me to share things like this out of my own personal experience. <laughs> all because you don't get the remote control. If you don't look out for yourself, nobody else is. We learn this. We know about this. I have my rights, and I fight for my rights, and I know what my rights are, and no one can tell me any different. And we carry this mentality into our marriage. We want to make sure that no one's taking advantage of us, that our rights aren't being violated. And, and so we want to make sure we're getting our way. And so when it comes to choosing a restaurant, you know, what is it that we're going to have today? And, and whose turn is it to get up with the kids? And what's the vacation destination going to be? And so is it going to be Mexican or Japanese? Is it going to be the beach or the mountains? Is it going to be the Hallmark Channel or ESPN? And everyone is just concerned about getting their way. And if that's how we treat our kids, if that's how we treat our parents, if that's how we treat our spouse then what about that person who gets in front of us in line at Target and cuts us off and then wants to pay for everything separately? What do you do when it's the coworker who is secretly going behind your back at work? What do you do when it's your neighbor who's just always taking advantage and sending, sending their kids over to your house? Or what do you do when it's, when it's your spouse and, and your spouse just never seems to find anything encouraging to say? Or what do you do when, 
You find that it's someone that you don't even know and you're called to treat them with love and, with love and kindness. You see, that's when the incarnation becomes real. That's when the story of, of Jesus leaving heaven and, and coming to earth becomes real, where the rubber meets the road, where all of a sudden that incarnation is supposed to be lived out in my life because I've been told that I am to have the same attitude that Jesus had. It should make a difference. It should be real. When it's someone who never says thank you, when it's someone who gives nothing to you in return, when it's someone who is unlovable and, and yet you show them light because you have received light, that's the incarnation. And that's the way that Jesus loves. And the Bible says, you know what? While we were still sinners, guess what? Christ died for us. That's what he did. Guys, we shine bright in the darkness when we put another's interest ahead of our own. So Paul says, why don't you consider? Consider others better than yourselves and put them first. You look on down in chapter 2 and he gives another practical way that we live out the incarnation in our lives. Look down in verses 14 and 15. And I got to be honest, these are some verses that I wish were not in my Bible. He says, do everything. Now earlier we saw him say, do nothing. Right? He said, do nothing without, or do nothing with selfishness or vain conceit. And now he's going to say, do, do everything. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars among them in the sky. I really wish that wasn't in my Bible. I do. I wish it wasn't in my Bible so that I could just complain and so that I could just argue and so that I could just try to get my way as, as often as I would, would like. But Paul writes to this church in Philippi that exists in a culture of darkness, and he says, do you really want to shine bright? You want to shine bright? You want to stand out from the crowd? He says, then do everything without whining. And, and as you read through your text there, you, you might see that, that perhaps in your, in your Bible you have in quotes where it says that, that they were going to be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. See, because that's a, that's a reference back to an Old Testament passage, and the first time that that particular phrase was used, it was talking to those who were a part of the Israelite nation. You see, the crooked and depraved generation was not those who were outside, not those who did not know God. The crooked and depraved generation were those who knew God and yet complained about him. Complained about him. And complained about what he was doing and how he was taking care of them and, and all the things that were going on. The people that could just never be happy. Those original readers, well, their minds would have gone back to those Jewish Christians who, well, they would have thought about those descendants, those individuals who came before them, those people who came to the exodus of Egypt. You read through that story of the Exodus and it's just a common theme that keeps appearing. There's just this grumbling and complaining of the people. I mean, they had been released from slavery. They had been allowed to walk through the sea on dry ground. When they were hungry, they were fed by manna from heaven. When they were thirsty, water was brought from a rock. God led them with a cloud and he led them with fire. But they're just, all throughout the story, they're just complaining and they're arguing and they're wanting to turn around and go in a different direction all along. And I think that's the danger that we run into. 
Not only at Christmas time, but, but often at this time of year. God sends his son to save us, and we just whine about the little things. So yeah, but God, couldn't you do something about my retirement? He gave you his son, and we say, oh, that's great, but God, could you give me a better job? How about a house like our friends have? And, and when are things just going to turn around for us? And when are things going to be different? Well, he saved you from your sin. Oh, I, I, I see, and, and that's a nice perspective to have. But, but God, when are you going to... When are you going to really help me and do something that I need right here and then right now? You know, when we consider all the things that we've been given. When we consider all the blessings that we have. The idea that we are still people that argue and complain and want to get our way. It's really shocking. You know, we shine bright in the darkness when we refuse to complain and argue. And yet, for whatever reason, it seems oftentimes that Christians can be some of the biggest complainers of all. And so we see at Christmas that what Jesus did, well, he gave, he gave up everything. And he gave up everything, and it puts everything in perspective. And I don't know, some of you maybe are sitting out there this morning thinking, look, Chris, I understand what you're saying, but I, I think your examples are maybe just a little bit naive because, I mean, why don't I get to complain about the diagnosis of cancer that I have this year? Or, or why can't I complain because my parents cheated me out of a childhood or, or my spouse cheated on me? I mean, don't I get to complain because I've got problems with my children? Don't I get to complain because we don't have enough money to put presents under the tree? And maybe all those things are true. I mean, perhaps life for you... Perhaps life for you is difficult and hard, and like the people in Philippi, well, your life is difficult. But I think perhaps that Paul would want to take you by the hand, and he would want to lead you to a town called Bethlehem. Maybe he'd want to take you by the hand and, and lead you back here tonight at 6 o'clock and say, can I, can I just show you something? Can I remind you of something? Can I take you to a town in Bethlehem over to a stable where animals would find shelter? And I think that he would probably point out to you a young man who's just disillusioned. I mean, his hopes and his dreams, they've all been altered. He has been thrust into a, a period of disgrace because he has a pregnant fiancé that he has never been with. And he has been entrusted to take care of Mary. And the best that he can do is wind up in some stall for animals. And I think Paul would probably take you to Bethlehem and point out to you a young mother who's made a difficult journey. She's nine months pregnant, and we think of her riding this donkey with a smile on her face, and perhaps she did, but maybe she walked most of the way. We really don't know. But she makes this tough trip, and she gets to Joseph's hometown, and there's no good place for her to stay. And of all the nights for her to go into labor, it's going to be denied. And God is entrusting with her to bring this, his son into the world. And the first place that she has to lay him down was in a feeding trough. And you can see the fear that is in her eyes. And she's just overwhelmed. Maybe in the midst of our complaining and arguing, Paul would take you by the hand and, and he would point you to Jesus, the son of God, lying in a manger. Because if anyone ever has the right to complain, wouldn't it have to be Jesus? I mean, he left paradise for this world. He left paradise for this life. 
And while he was here, he never had a home to call his own. And while he walked the earth, his, his family misunderstood him. His, his followers were confused by him. His friends abandoned him. And he never did one thing wrong, and yet he was unjustly beaten. He was brutally killed. But you find me a place where Jesus goes, it's not fair. It's not fair. You find me a place where he whined and complained. Oh, he prayed and he said, Lord, take this from me. I don't like it, but God, I'm still going to trust in you and in your will, and I'm going to say your will is what's going to win out in my life. And that's the life that you and I are called to reflect in our own lives. You know, there's this concept in psychology that's known as transference. And transference is the unconscious reflection of feelings from one person to another. And you don't even realize that you're doing it. It just happens. And, and it's where that you've received anger, so now you transfer the anger. And so you transfer feelings that maybe you've had toward a mother or father, and you transfer those feelings toward a husband or wife. You don't even realize really that you're doing it, but the anger and the bitterness and the hatred that perhaps you feel towards somebody else in your life, it's transferred on to your spouse or you transfer that onto your children. And, and you've received darkness, so now will you just go out and, and transfer that darkness? It's just your subconscious that's doing it. You transfer the darkness that you've received. And we live right now in a society that says, it's fine. You've been mistreated, go ahead, you mistreat. We live in a society that says, look, you've had dark times, then you need to cause others to have dark times. You receive darkness, so transfer it. But here's what the Bible calls us to do. Instead of transferring darkness, the Bible says choose to reflect the light of God's love. It's the message of Christmas. It's the light of the world. So here's my prayer. If you find yourself in darkness, would you understand that it, that isn't how you were meant to live and it doesn't have to be that way? It doesn't have to continue to surround you. There is a light that gives life that is available to you. You see, I don't want you just to hear about Jesus this Christmas. I don't want you just to come tonight and, and to see this, this great play that our kids are going to put on I don't want you just to come and to, to hear about Jesus and say, what a great story. I want it to be real for you, and I want for you to experience the incarnation in your own life. I pray that you will put yourself in a place where you can truly receive the light of God into your life. Because when you receive it, then you can, when you can give it. I, I pray that this Christmas season, maybe you will make that decision that you'll say, you know what, I'm going to be baptized into Christ. Because I want the light of the world to live through me. I want Jesus to chase away the darkness that I feel. That's what I want for you this Christmas. I want for you to be able to say, you know what? I saw the light and that light has changed me. And it's changed my relationships. That you could be able to say, you know what? I, have, I saw the light and instead of transferring fear and anxiety, I am I'm going to reflect his peace to the people who are around me. I saw the light, and instead of transferring bitterness, I'm going to reflect forgiveness. I saw the light, and instead of transferring anger, I'm going to reflect God's kindness. I saw the light, and instead of transferring a critical spirit, I'm going to reflect his encouragement, and I'm going to reflect his joy, and his kindness, and his grace, and his generosity. 
I'm going to reflect his holiness and I'm going to reflect his goodness. I saw the light and because of that, my life has completely changed. Guys, we must, we must let the incarnation be seen in our lives. It's not enough just to talk about it. It's not enough just to sing about it. It's not enough just to participate in a play about it. The incarnation is meant to be real. It is meant to be experienced. It is meant to be witnessed. So why not allow Jesus to be the light of your world today? Show it by the way you treat one another. Father, thank you so much for the light of the world. I wish that we could understand better what really happened. What really happened that night in Bethlehem. I, I wish that we understood it not from just a, a nuts and bolts perspective, not just knowing all the details, but I wish we could understand better what it means for, for God to become man. And then to feel the weight of Paul's message that says that the attitude of Jesus must be seen in the way that we treat one another. Father, the light of the world, help us to understand that it means that that, that light is to shine through us. That it's to be seen in us, that it's to be witnessed in us. Uh, allow the story of Bethlehem to be more than just some story that we tell, just some play that we act out. Allow it to be something that is seen in our homes. Allow the incarnation to be real in our marriage. Allow it to be, to be real in the way that we treat our children, the way that we treat our parents. Father, allow that incarnation to be real within our church family, in the way that we treat one another the things that we say to one another, the way we respond to one another. Father, help us to be encouraging and, and uplifting. Father, remove from us the, the spirit of complaining and, and arguing. Allow the light of the world to truly shine. Father, we thank you so much for opportunities just like today where we can come and praise you for the light that you've sent into the world. May we be that light right here, right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you like to experience that light this morning? Then why not as we sing and encourage one another, if you need to make that known, please come as together we stand and sing. <laughs>